Yeah, I felt a connection immediately many years ago. It took me a little longer to connect with Darian, but we have made the connection. So it's been really good. In fact, you know, he... You know, he said, asked me if I was coming to lunch at his house today after the service. I spent the night with those guys last night. You know, they got a great family, wonderful place, very hospitable. And uh, I just, I said to him, you know, well, I'll eat lunch at your house unless I get a better offer. But he assured me I would get no better offer. So, you know, he's throwing out, you know, hot tub, lunch, that kind of thing. So um, we're, we're I'm, I'm really grateful to be here. Um, when, right before I moved to Fargo, I was at a pastor's elders retreat and Rob, your pastor, Rob Balfour was there. And we had this conversation and I said to him, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of tying in this, you know, this old thing. Um, I said, you know, we're going to Fargo, Rob. And, you know, I've got some young guys going, you know, it's a university town as well. And, you know, sometimes I get the feeling that, um, you know, I wonder if if I'm young enough, you know, to still be somewhat, you know, engaging to young young people, you know, that they'll come to the church and and your pastor really responded well, really encouraged me, and I never forgot it. And he said to me, he said, you know, Brian, everywhere, I said, you're going to do great. There's going to be lots of young people. Everybody needs a dad, a spiritual dad, and you're going to be a good one. So I was really encouraged by that. And the church in Fargo, uh, we're growing, you know, we're averaging about, you know, not that this is a big deal, but for us it is because we started with four families. You know, we've got, we've got about 115 to 125 folks coming regularly on Sunday. Uh, we have a university um, ministry once a month. It's called Revive. It's a Sunday night uh, we did it last month for the very first time. We had 52 college students come to it. And as of a month ago, there was already like 59 signed up to come. So God's doing something on the campus there. We get more and more, uh, you know, folks from campus ministry, you know, coming to the church. Um, we have a completely international multicultural church now. We have people from all over. We have Puerto Rican folks. We have Mexican folks. We have African folks. We have Indian folks. Um, so, and then there's a few white guys like me. And so, you know, God's really doing some unique things. Really appreciate your prayers and, um, and over the years and all your support. And I, you know, just thinking about Rob this morning, you know, um, uh, Rob and Jackie, you know, as they're going to, I just, what a blessing it is that you guys have a pastor and his wife, a family doing what they're doing. And I just, I, I felt this morning as we were just worshiping that, that I would just encourage all of you to really be praying for the Balfours, not just in this trip, but in the days to come as well, um, because their family is going to need your support, your prayer, your love, your help, your assistance. And um, um, I think it's really important. I know you guys are great at helping, serving, loving, but uh, just just be mindful of this. And in the months to come, when we get kind of used to situations and circumstances, remember that, you know, they're they're you know, they're going to be dealing with lots of new things, lots of things they've never experienced before. So so just as a congregation, make sure you you keep lifting them up. If you would turn in your Bibles to Acts, the second chapter, verse uh, 14. We'll read from there uh, to start off this morning. So the title of my message is Making Preparations for God's Visitation. Um, and I, I want all, all of you to know and to understand this morning that, that you know, God is constantly wanting to move 
He's constantly wanting to break into our lives. Uh, it doesn't matter who we are, how old we are, or how young we are. God wants to move. He wants to do something. He's always on the move. He's not sleeping. He's not tired. He's not weary. Um, he's always active. He's always speaking. And He's always ministering to us. And so part of our responsibility is, is to receive that ministry that God is continuing to do in our lives. And, you know, if, if you're a young person here today, uh, maybe you're a teenager, college student, um, you know, there was a day uh, that I was young, too, and um, I was, as I, I was a young, skinny, red-headed, pot-smoking, LSD-dropping, Jimi Hendrix, idolizing punk. And, you know, God saved me miraculously when I was 17 years old. I was not looking for him. I had I wanted no part of any business with God, any concept of God, theory of God. And uh, Jesus really met me. I had a radical conversion. And uh, so just so we understand the playing field that we're on, you know, everybody here has a story how God met them. I have one, too. In Acts, the second chapter, starting in verse 14, you know, the day of Pentecost, um, Peter looked, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm at four. So uh, Peter began to preach and to, and to speak in uh, the second chapter of Acts, starting in verse 14. I'm still not there, but I'm getting there. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In some translations it said, this is that. It's always been a great message title. This is that which was spoken of. And then he goes on to quote from the prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour my spirit out in those days. And they will prophesy. And then he goes on to more. He says in the last days. Now, this last days relates to a period of time and not just a moment of time. We're so prone to think of things as one-time occasions. I got saved in 1983. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit soon after that in 1983. But the reality is, I'm continuing to be transformed. I'm continuing to work out the salvation. I'm continuing to be renewed day by day. I'm continuing uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and meet with God. It wasn't just a one-time event. And our life as believers, as Christians, isn't, isn't just, okay, these one-time events happen and now... You know, we, we, we kind of meet with other people that this has happened to, and we just get along until Jesus comes back, or at least we try to get along. That, that's really not the case, um, in this moment. Uh, it's not just a moment. It's, it's not just a moment of time. It relates to a period of time. And that period of time, as the Spirit's being poured out, as Peter spoke from the, from the prophet Joel, it's still happening today. God is still pouring out His Spirit 
on all flesh. God is still doing something. There's always in the Bible, there's more to come. There's always more. There's always something more that God wants to do. In fact, when things get stale, when things get old, when people get stuck in ruts of, 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 of their daily activities or even in their church meetings and their life together, God is continuing to want to do something new. He's always renewing. He's always reviving, always restoring, always transforming. That's what God does. There's always more to come. And through the years, God's fulfilled this prophecy. God has fulfilled his word in different times and different periods by sending himself in a special way. And we 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 like to just call it revival. And everybody has a picture of what that means. But revival, as some have said, is a manifestation of God. It's just that moment. Maybe there's a period of time where God just shows up. Have you ever experienced that before in your life? Have you ever have you ever been praying? Have you ever been seeking the Lord? Things aren't going well. Circumstances just seem to be dire. You're discouraged. Maybe maybe you're maybe you're even depressed, and you you just you're praying and you're not even expecting anything to happen, but you know it's what you're supposed to do, and suddenly God shows up. Have you ever been to a Sunday morning service and, and it just doesn't seem like a lot's happening and then all of a sudden something happens. The guy on the drum starts doing something, the, the, the people on the worship team and all of a sudden the congregation, everybody's got their hands up, everybody's lifting up their voice. All of a sudden something happens. God just showed up. He just came. He just visited. We had a young man in our early days of our church plant who came. He was a football player. He had blew his knee out his freshman year. He's now entering his senior year. And it was just at our house. Um, we had a meeting there. We had a friend of mine who was ministering in my living room. And the guy, as he was in our home, he just, his knee got healed right there. Nothing, no, nobody prayed for him. It was, you know, it was nothing. No word of knowledge came for him. There's somebody with a knee. Nothing like that. He just felt this burning sensation in his knee. And then he came to me afterwards. He said, you know, my knee's on fire. Do you think God's healing me? I said, well, he, so he told me a little bit of what had happened to him. Blew his knee out. He hasn't been able to play football. He's still on the team, but he hasn't been able to play. And and God healed his knee. It's part of his testimony now. He's a he's in a campus ministry at North Dakota State University. He played um, his senior year. They won their third national title uh, in that many years. In fact, North Dakota State just won their six out of seven years. It's never happened in college football. So, and this guy was part of the team. That's his testimony. God just showed up. He just manifested himself. In, in order, as we are making preparations for God to visit, one of the things, the first thing that we need to do, and it's the first thing in what I'm going to preach about, um, is develop a longing for that to happen. So many times we get discouraged when God's not doing something in our life. And, and we don't, we, we just, we don't enter that place of, of going to the Word or praying. Worship doesn't have the same impact on us. And we, we actually kind of get stuck. We start feeling sorry for ourselves. Some even go to the point where they start blaming God for their circumstances. They get so discouraged in their faith. But over and over and over again, 
The Lord promises that he'll visit. The Lord promises that he'll be a help. The Lord promises that he'll see us through. And there's times like that, that we need to turn things in our heart and mind. And we need to start longing for God to move. We have to turn, we have to discipline ourselves to say, God, things aren't going the way I want them. Even in my mind, even in my heart, I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing what I want to see. I'm not experiencing what I want to experience. And instead of, instead of going through the, the, the fast food line, God, I, I'm going to wait for you to give me a good meal. Something that I can eat, something that will nourish me. I know you want to come. There has been and will be more. This is what was spoken. There are many promises in Scripture of God visiting His people. Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it, is, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah 44, 3. For I will pour water on thirsty land and streams on dry ground. Those are the times when we're feeling discouraged and we're feeling God's far away from us to turn things in our heart and our thinking and our mind and say, God, I'm, I'm actually thirsty for you. I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to pray. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get into the word. I'm going to give myself to being encouraged by your promises. I'm going to build hope and faith in my life because I know that you're going to come. I know I'm going to behold a new thing that you're doing. It's a promise throughout Scripture. In fact, Paul told the Corinthians that, that, we're, that we're to leave the past behind, forgetting what lies behind. He, he told the Corinthians that all things have become new for any man who's in Christ. The old is gone. Behold! All things have become new. Every single day of our lives as believers, we can anticipate and expect that God wants to do something new in our lives. He wants to teach us something. He wants to show us something. Part of the problem is, is that we don't hunger. We do want things somewhat easy. We are in a microwave culture still. We, we want things easy. We want things quick. There's many, many people in the church today, especially in North America, that that things aren't as they should be. So they run to this teacher. They run to this meeting. They run to that conference. And there's got to be a point that you and I, that God's people, go to Him and say, I want something from you. I, I want to see something. I remember as a young man, you know, I, I was new to all of this. I was new to the faith. and and But something captivated me. And I realized, you know, I've really got to make this my own. The services are great. Being with other people are great. Doing the work of ministry is great. But I really... I, I need to understand and I need to get into that place that I meet with God for, for myself. That I really meet with Him. Like all these things and all these stories are great, but I need to engage in this way. And sometimes I feel like as the church, we've, we've kind of lost that skill. We've, we maybe it's because we've lost that appetite that we just close ourselves off and get together with God. For his promises, I will pour. If you're dry, if you're thirsty, I'll pour rain on you. I'll fill you. I'll pour out my spirit even on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Psalm 27, 13. I would have despaired unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. 
So many times people despair. In my part of the country, in North Dakota and Fargo, uh, this was kind of a revelation to me, that there are so many people on antidepressants, so many people who are fighting depression in our town. There was a young man who was part of our church in the early days, and then he, then he moved to Massachusetts. Young, gifted, talented, lovely young man, just took his life not too long ago. His, his parents are, are pastors. They, he's, his dad's a, a teacher at a Bible college in Minnesota, and he took his life. And they just said, you know, as they're posting, so many people posting about this, that he just, the depression got too bad. And you think about this all over. There's people probably sitting next to us, people that we meet on a regular basis, and, and, and they're lost. They can't get out of the mire. They can't get out of the pit. And, and we, as the people of God, and if you're going through any of that, there's so many things. First of all, you, you make people aware. You have people pray. But we seek the Lord. We lay hold of His promises. And we don't let go. We have faith. We endure. We persevere. We, we develop a hunger. These are some prayers for revival that are in the Scripture. Isaiah 64, 1 through 4. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. The, 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 the Isaiah, his prayer is, God, I want you to come down. I, I love listening to Leonard Ravenhill and one of his messages, you know, he very passionately talks about this passage. Oh, that you would come down here and meet with me. Have you been, ever been in that position where you just, you're just tired of business as usual? You're just tired of the status quo. You're just tired of maybe not hearing from God. You're tired of the, the same things that keep coming out of your mouth. You're tired of the same arguments, the same discussions. That's the time that we understand and realize God wants to meet with us. We're dissatisfied by these things. God wants to meet. He's calling us to draw near to Him. And we should say, God, would you come down here? Now, we can make all sorts of theological points and we can have all sorts of doctrines. Well, you know, He's already come. I understand that. We also understand Jesus has come, but we also understand that He's coming and we're longing for His return. Right? We're, we're waiting for Him to come and make things Right once and for all. Exactly. Right. So we know that the kingdom of God is here. It's near. But we also know that the fullness of that is coming. And that's what we long for. And we get bits and pieces of this while on earth. But sometimes I think in my own life that I settle for far too less of what God wants to do. And these are the passages, Habakkuk 3, 2. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in all, all of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. It's like this cry, this hunger. I want to see you do something again. This is the heart cry. This is, this is what Peter, when he was preaching from Joel, he was saying these, in these last days, God's pouring out His Spirit. We are still living in the days that God's pouring out His Spirit. And it behooves us to get under that fountain, to position ourselves to receive what God wants to give. The second thing, after we've, after we're, we're developing this hunger for God. We're making preparations for Him to move. And, and this was the main text for today. Hosea 10.12. He says this. 
sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes to rain righteousness on you. Breaking up our fallow ground is heart preparation. So we're developing a hunger for God because we want to see, we want to prepare ourselves for God to visit. Not just our church, not just our community, but mainly it begins with us. We just want God to move in our lives. We just want him to do something, stir us afresh, show us something. We wait on him and we're hungry and we're saying, you know, I I use this analogy all the time. You know, we, 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 you know, when we eat, you know, if we're, if my mom is going to prepare a great meal at Christmas and she's called me and said, Hey, I want you, you and the family, I want you to come over at two in the afternoon. And I've prepared all of this delicious food. And about one o'clock, I stopped by on my way to go home to pick up the kids. And I stopped through the McDonald's drive through and I get a couple Big Macs, some fries, maybe a milkshake and a Coke. By the time I get to my mom's house, I'm not hungry anymore. And I'm not hungry for good things that she's prepared because I've filled myself with junk. There comes a time that we need to stop going through the spiritual McDonald's. And, and going through the drive through ordering stuff that maybe is not going to really satisfy us in the end. And begin to say, God, I want what you have for my life. I want what you have. Make it personal. So we have a, a, a plan to break up our fallow ground. It's heart preparation. Charles Finney says this. And breaking up your fallow ground, you must remove every obstruction. Things may be left that you think little things. And you may wonder why you do not feel as you wish to feel in your walk with God. When the reason is that your proud and carnal mind has covered something up which God required you to confess and remove. Break up all the ground and turn it over. Do not balk it as the farmers say. They're, sometimes they would leave like one strip undone. And, and, and Charles Finney's saying, based on this passage, don't leave anything unturned. If you ever plowed, if you ever worked on a farm, and, and I'm sure many of you have, you know, you're going through a field, you've got the plow, there's rocks. I, I, I plowed a field in Georgia, I found like four horseshoes, I'd hit rocks every once in a while, you had to be, you had to be careful as you went through, but I was like determined to get, so I'd stop the, the tractor, I'd get out, take the rock, throw it out, I had this big pile, and I, all the horseshoes I would take home, and, and you know, I, but you had to get everything out of the way. You had to clear the land. You had to, you had to prepare it. And this is what, what he's talking about. He goes on to say, uh, do not turn it aside for little difficulties. Drive the plow right through. Beam deep and turn the ground all up so that it may be all mellow and soft and fit to receive the seed and bear fruit a hundredfold. Fallow ground is ground. It's a heart that once bore fruit. But now, because of neglect, has become hard. Weeds are growing up. Nothing's really growing. Nothing's going on. And Hosea, in this particular passage, the Lord is, is saying that He wants to reign righteousness. He wants to come. But prepare your heart for my coming. Prepare yourself. Make yourself ready. This is a common theme in Scripture. We are called to break up the fallow ground. 
This is not waiting, somebody once said, for a sovereign act of God, but something we do ourselves. James, the fourth chapter, verse 8, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's, there's times we may find ourselves in sin. There may be times that we find ourselves double-minded, not really in the faith. And, and James is saying, draw near to God. Stop doubting. Stop, stop walking in unbelief. If there's sin in your life, cleanse yourself. Purify yourselves. Get with the Lord. Don't be double-minded. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. Proverbs 16.1 The preparations of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Contrite hearts are the ones that are fit for revival. Isaiah 57, 15, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also. I dwell in a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the ones whose hearts are contrite. This is where God, when, when, when we begin to till our hearts, prepare ourselves for God. When we begin to get in a place where we've been hungering for God, we're longing for Him. And then as God begins His work, the Holy Spirit comes and and He convicts us. He lets us know that there's some issues, there's some things that you've left untended. There's some things that you thought were little, but I've been after them. It's amazing to me, the rich young ruler, when he came to Jesus, all the commands that he had done. Jesus, you know, had a conversation with him and he said, you know, keep the commands. And he said, I've done these all since I was a youth. And then it's the Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack. It's the thing we so often don't want to hear. But it's the one thing that when we get rid of that, we see the breakthrough that God wants. When he speaks to us about something, one thing you lack. And he said, go sell all you have. And this young man went away discouraged because he was wealthy. It's such an encouragement when we get ourselves in that place. And maybe that's sometimes why we we don't run to this place with the Lord. Because we're afraid that he's going to say to us, this is what you lack. I love you, but but this is the way you've been going. I need to adjust you. You need to change in this. You need to go the way I'm calling you to go. Maybe we don't want to go through that part of it at times. But we understand when we do, God releases His blessing, His grace, and His provision in our lives. The third thing is prevailing in prayer. Um, we want to see God move. We prevail. Jeremiah twenty nine twelve says this. Then will you call to me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We know the words of Jesus. Ask, seek, knock. Before there can be a vision, before there can be a vision of the possibilities of what God can do, at times there must be a vision of the need of the hour, Arthur Wallace said. There, there comes a time that if we want to prevail in prayer, we have to understand how bad things have gotten, maybe in our own life or in our own culture. You know, we just celebrated the, the, the guy who's speaking at our church, one of our leaders, Steve Finley, is speaking on, on abortion this morning. This is a big, you know, uh, week uh, in America, and we are trying to promote and have people 
uh, understand what's been going on in our culture. I just read the other day that uh, one of Dr. Martin Luther King's uh, uh, relatives is putting out a movie talking about Roe v. Wade, the, the big Supreme Court decision that uh, legalized abortion in our country. And it, it's actually, it's going to be very controversial because there was a whole ploy by by people to to get this passed. It was all set up in a house of cards and they're exposing this. It ought to be interesting. But we understand that that we're living in a culture, your culture, my culture, we're living in a genocide as we talk. We have killed millions and millions of of innocent children. We live in that culture sometimes and we, we need to be shaken with that a bit. We need to understand we're living in that every single day. Every single day. And we need to see the need of the hour sometimes before we can have, we can, we can have a vision of the possibilities of the hour. So we see what's going on. We understand as we're praying and we're prevailing because we understand the great need. And then vision is birthed about how God wants to do something, how He wants to move, and how He wants to use us. We must see the need. We, we have to face the facts. Part of our culture in North America, even in our churches, is that we think it's a one and done type of situation, especially when it comes to the Holy Spirit. We say, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. He lives in me. You know, I, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Others would say, well, I don't really need that because I've had, you know, I, I know I've got the infilling, the indwelling spirit living in me. I don't need anything extra. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones challenged the people of his day who thought they got all the spirit at conversion. This is what he said. Got it all? Now, I, got, I, I don't know exactly how he preached this, but from what I understand, he was actually pretty passionate about this. Well, if you have it all, he said, I simply ask you in the name of God, why are you as you are? If you've got it all, why are you so unlike New Testament Christians? Got it all? Got it all at conversion? Well, where is it, I ask? That's what he said. And you think about this. I mean, this is part of a wake up call for us as well as we want to prepare for God to move as we're prevailing in prayer. We say, God, I don't have it all, but I want more. I want everything you have. I want you. I, I'm, I'm tired of, of the way I've been living. I'm tired of the TV. I'm tired of video games. I'm tired of trying to entertain myself. I really want you. I want you to breathe. I want you to fill me. I want you to restore the joy of my salvation. I want to press in to the things of God. I want to see you move and work. I want to see you captivate my heart once again. And I'm going to press in. I'm going to prevail until you show up, until you do something. Something that I couldn't do. It's one of the reasons I moved to Fargo, North Dakota to plant a church. Got as far away from the south as I could. Living in the country, I was, I was bored as a pastor. And I realized God was calling me to something else. I was totally bored. I was totally not in the place I needed to be in. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And part of the adventure was to come to go to Fargo and do something that I couldn't just do by, by my sheer will. 
Or my personality or something, you know, going with a handful of people from the south and going up to plant a church in Fargo, North Dakota. It's because I wanted to see God move. There's a hunger there. You're doing things. You're experiencing things. You're you're taking risks and chances, stepping out in faith. Why? Because you want to see God come through. Why would you pray for a sick person? Because you want to see God do something. You want to see him heal that person. Why would you share the gospel with your neighbor? Because you want to see them transform. You know the difficulty that they're going through. We got to see the need. We got to pray through these things. We got to understand that, that, that God wants to give us more. He's still pouring out his spirit. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power when he comes on you. It's a promise. It wasn't a one-time act. It wasn't a one-time thing for you and me. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You want power? The Holy Spirit has to come on you. You have to position yourselves. I have to position ourselves. As a church, even going through prayer and fasting, we have to position ourselves that God's going to come and meet with us. Psalm 50, verse 3, Our God comes. He comes. We understand He rains righteousness on you. We have to prepare ourselves in, in the way we think, in our attitude. We have to develop a hunger. We have to be in a place where we're preparing our hearts. One of the great things about farming or having a garden, it's the, the first thing that's the best for me is when the land's all been tilled. Everything's clear and you look out on that field and you can smell the dirt like you can smell the earth. You know what I mean? Like if you get your boots on and you go out there, you might sink a little bit because the ground is so soft. It's so mellow. It smells so good. We have to imagine that when we prepare our hearts, when we're tilling, when we're getting obstacles out of the way, when we're dealing with our pride and our flesh and those issues, when we're dealing with that, that our heart becomes mellow and soft. And as the word of God comes, it's, it's planted on good ground and we begin to bear fruit and he, he rains on us. And, and the whole process is so wonderful and so beautiful. And at the, at the, not, Necessarily at the end, but while we're receiving what God promised, we think to ourselves, why didn't I do this all along? Why did I ever give up? Why did I ever stop? This is so wonderful. When we when we engage with the Lord, when we meet with him, when he shows up, it's all worth it. We need and we have to understand that. We're prevailing in this as the people of God. We're not stopping. We're not ending. There's, there's never going to be, until the Lord comes, there's never going to be just this season that we can just kind of coast through life. There's never going to be this time in our lives that we're not going to have to deal with difficulties and sin and situations that we're uncomfortable with. The more we walk, the more we grow, the more those things are going to happen. I thought when my kids were teenagers, I thought, God, one day this will be over and I won't have to be concerned about my kids. And now my kids are growing and I have grandkids and, and that feeling has not gone away from me at all. It's still very active in my life. I'm still concerned about my children. It, it doesn't just disappear magically. And for us, for God's people, developing this hunger, preparing our hearts, prevailing 
and prayer. Going all the way through. The early Christians, when they were commanded, when they were called by Jesus to wait in Jerusalem, they were called to tarry there, wait until I send what was promised. And you know what? They waited. And they got what was promised. And they flourished. And they continue to flourish because they understood the words of the prophet Joel. They understood that that God was going to continue to do this. And many, many times you'll find in the book of Acts that God just moved supernaturally. He came into a meeting. They were all filled with the Spirit. They'd prophesy. They'd speak in tongues. You know, we've gotten so bad sometimes in Pentecostal charismatic circles that we want to just tell people, say these words, repeat after me. And and, and we've lost sight that God wants to really move and baptize people in His Spirit. He really wants to release spiritual gifts. He really wants to manifest Himself in our meetings together when we pray. He really wants to see sick people healed. He really wants to see blind eyes open. He really wants to do that. That's what we hunger for. We hunger for God to move. For Jesus to be glorified. To Jesus to manifest Himself in our meetings. Instead of dragging our kids and dragging our friends, trying to get them to come to church, we come together and and God just moves and the hearts of people are exposed. People surrender their lives. The saints are are joyful. They're, They're full of the Spirit. There's testimonies abounding what God's doing. Why? Because we've done these things. We're we're preparing for Him. We want Him to move, and He always comes through. Let's pray. Father, we're, we're so grateful for your word, for all your promises. We pray, Lord, that you would continue in our lives to develop a longing, a yearning, a hunger for your visitation. For you to move. Lord, we understand and we realize that, that all of us are in need for you to visit us. Lord, you know every heart here. You know what's going on. You know the family situations, the circumstances. You know what people are struggling with. You know everything, God. We're so thankful. We're so thankful that you can take a few words, that you can you can take a simple message, and you can do so much more. Because you know and see everything. We pray, Lord, this morning, that... Every single one of us would meet with you in a way that would change our lives. That would straighten our path. That maybe would change our course and even our destiny, Lord. We pray for you to come, for you to meet with us, you to change us, you to transform us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.